Thank you for joining us here on the Radio Bible Course. We're continuing our study of First Thessalonians. In verse 5 of chapter 1, Paul writes, For our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. Paul here is referring to the time when he first visited Thessalonica. The record of that visit is in Acts chapter 17. Paul said, For our gospel came to you not only in word. He's referring to the preaching not only by himself, but also of Timothy and Silvanus, otherwise known as Silas. They were with him on that journey. It wasn't powerful preaching that these people were impressed with. Paul says, our gospel, not our preaching. He's talking about the message. This was the good news message revealed by God to Paul and to the apostles, passed on to them by Jesus Christ, which they announced everywhere they went. It was a message of hope. And of course it means good news. But he said it came not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Well, there was power in Paul, because Paul was able to keep on preaching in spite of all the threats against his life. But there was power in those who heard the word also, because they were converted. Their lives were changed, and that's going to be explained in the following verses. There was the Holy Spirit, who was involved in this, as he is in every case of salvation. No one is converted apart from the Holy Spirit. And he said, with full conviction. That word conviction is also the word for assurance. And perhaps we ought to think of it as assurance. Whenever the Holy Spirit works with a man in regard to salvation, he brings assurance. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. If you are not sure that you are a Christian, if you are not sure that God has accepted you and forgiven you, then you have reason to doubt your salvation, and of course you do. But you can be sure. If you believe God, what God has promised, then you will be sure. And apparently, Paul saw in these Christians in Thessalonica the assurance it came from the Spirit because they had believed God. And then he adds, You know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. Paul was an example. And he calls attention to his example when he was there. Now, we can't expect people to trust our message if they can't trust us. Was there anything that the Thessalonians could have seen in Paul's life or in the life of Timothy or Silas that they could take exception to? Was there anything at all that they could criticize those men for? Nothing at all. And that's why Paul could write in his letters about his behavior, such as he did to the Corinthians in his second epistle. In chapter 4, he said, Therefore, having this ministry... By the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. We have renounced disgraceful, 
underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. If you are a preacher or a Bible teacher and you can't live like Paul described here, then your preaching and teaching will do little good. Why should we preach and teach the Word of God so that it can change other men when it hasn't changed us and made us to be more like Christ? This is very practical. Paul was an example to other believers of what God can do in a man's life. In verse 6, he uses the word imitators. He said the Thessalonian believers became imitators of us and of the Lord. His reference to us and of the Lord apparently mean the same thing. Paul's life and the life of our Lord were similar. Both suffered. Both were full of love and grace. Both were giving rather than receiving. When Paul wrote to the Corinthians twice, he said, Be imitators of me. But he added this, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Now Paul tells how they were imitators of him and of the Lord. He said, For you received the word in much affliction, with joy inspired by the Holy Spirit. Now affliction refers back to Acts chapter 17, verse 5, where there was trouble in Thessalonica because of the preaching of the gospel. That's where we read that the Jews were jealous and they took some wicked fellows of the rabble and gathered a crowd and set the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring those disciples out to the people. After Paul and Silas and Timothy had left that city, those who believed apparently suffered affliction. They suffered from the hands of the Jews because they were believing in the Christ. But Paul says you received the word in much affliction with joy inspired by the Holy Spirit. Now, it's one thing to suffer, but another thing to be joyful because the suffering is for the cause of Christ. That was the case of the apostles in Acts chapter 5. They had been beaten by the Jews. It tells us in verse 40 of chapter 5 of the book of Acts that the Jews beat and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and at home, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. That's victory. When you can suffer and thank God for it and rejoice that you're counted worthy to suffer for his name. Now, Jesus had promised the disciples in John chapter 16, verse 33, on the day before he was crucified, in the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. The result of this joy, which came as a result of the work of the Holy Spirit in them, was that they became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Those were the two major parts of the Greek country. Now here, Paul is saying they were the example 
not himself. He said in the earlier verses that he and his companions were examples to them, but now they are the examples. How? By their preaching of the word of the Lord. He said, it sounded forth from you in these two provinces of Greece. And he said, your faith has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. What this is absolutely remarkable that these young Christians new in the faith quickly went out and spread the gospel to everyone they told the message of Jesus Christ they told people about the good news how they had heard about Jesus the Messiah of the Jews and had believed in him and received eternal life and they were telling it in spite of the threats of the Jews around them they were an example to believers elsewhere. And Paul said, Why, we are speechless. We don't even need to go into Achaia or Macedonia and do any preaching because you have done it for us. Now, unfortunately, that's not the way it is today. People become Christians today. They spend their time in church. They often view the church as a sanctuary where they can be away from the world and free of all of the temptations of the world. That's not the way the Thessalonians were. They went out into the world with the good news, and the result was that other people became believers too. I think we can conclude this, that some people feel that as long as they're in the church, they won't have to suffer. There are some believers today, not many, however, who know that if they live godly out in the world, they will suffer persecution. They had not forgotten that Jesus was lifted up wearing a crown of thorns. And we need the reminder today that Jesus did not promise his disciples a crown of roses. Christian success, unfortunately, is measured by one's popularity today rather than by one's rejection and suffering in the world. In verse 9, Paul writes, For they themselves report concerning us what a welcome we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. The people of Macedonia and Achaia got word back to Paul how successful his preaching had been in Thessalonica. And they are the ones who reported about these Thessalonian believers how they had turned to God from idols. Now, this is the pattern of real repentance. Keep in mind that repentance means a change of mind. When one turns to Christ... He changes his mind about how he can be acceptable to God. Formerly, these Thessalonians were worshipping idols and thought that's how they could achieve something with their gods. But they changed their mind when they heard about Jesus Christ, that he was the true, the one and only representative of God who came as God in the flesh. Now, they first turned to God and then they turned from something. It's too bad that much preaching today is trying to get people to give up something so that they can believe in Christ and become Christians. 
We ought not to get people to give up anything. What they need is to do something positively, and that positive thing is to believe what God has said. Now that's the pattern. Turn first to God and to Christ. Then men will turn from what they are worshiping. Repentance is not merely turning away from something. It is turning to something from something. You see, you may turn from evil, but you can stop there. No one will get eternal life because he turns from evil or because he gives up sin. That's not the problem. Men are lost because they don't believe in the Savior sent by God. Now, the Thessalonians had one act, turning to God from idols. The gospel that Paul preached was a message of regeneration. It would bring new life to people. He did. His message was not reformation. Paul wasn't interested in getting people to live better. He wanted them to believe God. Not until they believed would he have any instruction about how to live for God. Before we leave the air today, I want our listeners to know about a free booklet. It's called Grace. Grace is one of the great words of the Bible. It's grace that saves us, and it's grace that keeps us. If you don't know much about grace, you'll surely want to write today for a free copy of the Grace Booklet. And if you are being blessed by this broadcast, please let us know. Until tomorrow, this is Nick Calavota reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.com.